And welcome to another segment of the PBL Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Again, your host here, E. Vanderbilt, with his trusted canine, Woody. And Woody, Woody doing great? Woo. Of course, with that one wolf, because Woody is a dog of few barks, unless, of course, the doorbell rings, then he's a dog of many barks, loud barks. Anyway, Woody, Woody's ask is to please visit our website, check out our, our social media links on our website, thepplpodcast.com. Click on our YouTube link and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We've had a lot of activity on YouTube. I like to keep that algorithm going because life is not a matrix. It's an algorithm. And of course, whatever platform you're listening to the podcast on, please like, share, follow, subscribe, and rate the podcast to move us up in the algorithm of life okay so let's continue on with the a uh, you know the demoralization of the right from the left to 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 keep us to to get a psych ops out of going out and voting because right now what you're hearing from the right is the right is going to vote in person i'm going to vote in person by the way uh, and I'm going to vote on election date. I'm not voting early. I don't like to vote early unless I absolutely have to. For me, there's just something about getting out on election day, going to a poll, taking however few minutes it is, and it usually is just a few minutes in in my polling area. I've never had long, long lines. Maybe it'll be different this time. I don't know. But it's always been a pretty quick and easy and, of course, painless process. And there's just something about going to the polls on election day versus voting early. So I tend to not vote early if I can avoid it, if I don't have anything going on. So yes, I will be out at the polls, but here's what's going on is the mail-in ballots are happening. It, you know, whatever state you live in, your state has the authority to decide how the presidential election is managed, handled, processed, right? It's not written into the constitution that you have a right to vote in a presidential election. It's not. It's nowhere in the Constitution that you have a right to vote in the presidential election. However, in the Constitution, it gives it to the states to decide how they're going to vote for a presidential election. The states have to do it. It's in the Constitution that the states have to allow you to vote for a presidential election, but they can do it any way they want. So if the states want to do mail-in ballots, they can do mail-in ballots. If the states wanted to get everybody in one big room and say, hey, raise your hand for this candidate and that candidate, the states can do that. Now, obviously, I'm using hyperbole here, but the states are the ones that decide how elections move forward for the president. And now they don't decide what day it is. That's decided in the Constitution. And also decided in the Constitution is when the Electoral College will vote. So even if there are going to be delays after November 3rd, the Electoral College is written into the Constitution of when, and I believe it's December 14th, when they will get together and vote for the president, when they'll cast their deciding vote based on the state's votes. So we know via the Constitution of the United States of America that the election, the real election, and again, I believe it's December 14th. I could be wrong. Please correct me. You can email me at the podcast at gmail.com. The states have to elect or cast their vote on this certain day. That's when the real election, you got, we elect the electorals and that's November 3rd. Now, could that be delayed? Absolutely, that could be delayed for whatever reason. But in the Constitution, it's just, what is this, the first Tuesday of every November, right? So the states get to decide how. So if the states want to decide mail-in vote, the states get to decide mail-in vote. So they're doing it. So some, a lot of states are doing the mail-in vote, and there have been 
problems. So this from the NPR, the headline is Fed's in unusual statement announced they're investigated, investigating a few discarded ballots. The FBI and the U.S. Attorney for the Middle District of Pennsylvania said Tuesday, Thursday, I'm sorry, not Tuesday, Thursday, that they are investigating potential issues, quote unquote, with nine military ballots in one county. They believe the ballots were opened improperly, though they have not yet field any charges or taken official action. U.S. Attorney David Freed noted the investigation remains active, but said he is releasing the news publicly based on the limited amount of time before the general election and the vital public importance of these issues. Now, voting rights experts and Justice Department veterans, however, said that the proximity to the election and the preliminary nature of the investigation makes Freed's announcements highly unusual. So why does it make it highly unusual? Well, what's highly unusual about it is all the ballots found were for Donald Trump. So all the uh, few discarded ballots that they found from the night, the military ballots, well, they were cast for Donald Trump. So, you know, we just what's going on right now is you've got people within these states that are far, they lean left. And that's the concern is will will they have the integrity to handle these ballots? Will they have will they have the integrity to handle these ballots legally, legitimately and not favor one candidate to the other? And that's the problem with the mail in ballots. The problem is objectivity. The problem is people who are handling them. Can you trust them? And the answer emphatically is no. Either side, left or right. This this you people are. You know, there's that old saying, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. And it's not that people, I mean, want to do bad things, but people find the cell, themselves doing bad things. So here's another article from uh, Breaking911.com. FBI finds mail-in ballots discarded in Pennsylvania. All of them were cast for President Trump. So from the article, on Monday, September 21st, 2020, at the request of the Luzerne County District Attorney Stefan Salaventis, the Office of the United States Attorney, along with the Federal Bureau of Investigation, Scranton Residence Office, began an inquiry into reports of potential issues with a small number of mail-in ballots at the Luzerne County Board of Elections. Since Monday, FBI personnel working together with the Pennsylvania State Police have conducted numerous interviews and recovered and reviewed certain physical evidence. Election officials at Luzerne County have been cooperative. At this point, we can confirm that a small number of military ballots were discarded. Investigators have recovered nine ballots at this time. Some of those ballots can be attributed to specific voters and some cannot. All nine ballots were cast for presidential candidate Donald Trump. Now you say, hey, it's only nine. Yeah, I know it's only nine. That's only nine that they found. Now, <clears throat> I think it was, I don't remember what news or I think maybe it was a CBS News um, expose, a local CBS News expose that created some uh, mail-in ballots and they mailed them from around the city they were in. I can't, I think it was, it was one of the Northeastern cities, Pennsylvania or something like that. Doesn't matter for the story, but they mailed them throughout the city. And the first thing that happened is, you know, they, they opened up a PO box. They mailed them all to this PO box. First thing that happened is none of them arrived at the PO box. Not one, not one of the ballots, the, um, their fake ballots for this test that they put that they created and mailed throughout the city arrived 
at the P.O. box. Numerous times they had to go to the post office and ask about the ballots or ask about this mail that they never got. And eventually they got them. Now, here's the caveat. They were missing 3% of the ballots. It was 100 ballots. The only, the only ballot, they can only come up with 97 ballots that, that reached the P.O. box or that reached the post office. They were able to retrieve from the post office. Post office never put them in the P.O. box. They had to actually go ask the post office, the postal service, about these missing uh, P.O. box or ballots because they knew they were coming. And when they finally got them, out of the of the hundred, they only got ninety seven. They were missing three, so three percent. And you're again, you're saying E, because that's my name. You, that's only three percent. That's only three out of a hundred, dude. That's nothing. Well, three percent out of the number of people that vote uh, historically, that's about four million ballots. Now we can expect a pretty big turnout. Well, at least we can on the right. Uh, aside from what the left is trying to do to suppress the vote as far as a psychops campaign, I'm pretty sure the right's going to turn out in mass. I'm not so sure about the left, by the way, but I believe the right's going to turn out in mass. So 3% of those votes missing could be the deciding factor. Remember Hillary Clinton won the popular votes by popular vote by what? 2 million votes. So if 3% go missing that of, of the people who historically vote, that's, Four million votes, four million disenfranchised voters. So that's the concern with the mail-in ballots, by the way. Now, here's what I think is going to happen: if you know, unless there's outright fraud, which we see that there potentially is outright fraud uh, with those nine missing military ballots all voting for Trump. Now, if 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 there's no outright fraud and people vote via mail. Well, who's going to vote via mail? Who's going to go to the, the poll? You know, on social media, you can see conservative voice saying, I'm going to the polls. You consistently see that from the conservative side. All right. So if you're a conservative, I'm a conservative, I'm going to the polls. I don't know. You going to the polls. I'm going to the polls. Email me at the PBL podcast at gmail.com, whether or not you're going to the polls, whether or not you're conservative or not, or liberal leftist, whatever you want to call yourself. But I'm going to the polls. So I hear it consistently from the right that the right's going to the polls. They're going to show up because we're excited. I mean, we are excited about this election. We know what's at stake. We, we are excited about Trump. We've seen what he's done. We know what he's capable of doing. We know we see Biden's decline. We've seen his record. We've seen Kamala Harris's record. We don't know who's going to be running Biden's government because it's not going to be Biden. We all know that. So we are enthusiastically on the right going to vote and we're going to the polls. So let's say the right goes to the polls. You're not going to lose any votes there. But the left mails it in. And just through uh, osmosis, if you will, or just through the, the lack of efficiency of the post office and i'm sorry there is a there you know post office makes mistakes they do a phenomenal job you got to give it to them from the number of mail that they process right but they lose mail mail gets lost things happen let's say three percent of the left's votes don't get in there trump wins the popular vote yep that's right i think there's unintended consequences here that the left has no idea that's going to happen and those unintended consequences i believe are going to deliver donald trump the popular vote. I could be wrong. I mean, I could be getting up on here November 4th, 5th, 6th, because I don't believe we're going to know right away and uh, tell you, you know, say, well, we lost. I could easily say that. And if we lost, we lost. I'll fully admit it. I won't be one of those that say I'm not leaving the White House. 
neither will Donald J. Trump. But I don't think that's going to happen. Because if you look at the enthusiasm for this election on the right, it's at a pitch I have never seen. I mean, the flotillas, the, 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 the car parades, uh, it's just unlike anything I've ever seen. So, you know, the psych ops campaign that the left has been doing to diminish the right from voting is failing miserably. In fact, I would say it's having a counterproductive uh, process. I think it's t going the opposite direction. And then you have the left and the Bernie bros. Recently, Biden came out and says, I'm not a socialist. Do I look like a socialist? Whoa, wait. That was supposed to be a skid mark. Very poor one. I know my sound effects are, are awful. I should probably have Woody do it, right, Woody? You'd probably be better at that. But so, <clears throat> so the Bernie bros, right? Are they going to vote? Do we know? We don't, do we? The Bernie bros, are they excited about Biden? No. The Bernie, you know, uh, Joe Biden just recently, not Joe Biden, uh, Bernie Sanders just recently came out and did a speech and he was talking about again how Trump may not leave the White House, blah, 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 because they know his base is not excited. And his base last time was not excited about Hillary. In fact, they feel they were shafted by Hillary and they feel like they're shafted again, this time by the DNC. Are they going to sit it out? Are, are they going to vote for Trump? They did last time. Very excited to tell you about a partnership I have with Hollywood casting director Kathy Rinkin. Now, Kathy, who's been in the Hollywood business since 1994, casting for films and televisions, has put together a workshop where she takes her acting chops and teaches business professionals charisma coaching. Now, Kathy has been working with actors for years, teaching them how to be more charismatic on camera. So why is charisma coaching for you? If you are in business and you are in front of people or your staff, your team is in front of people, whether it be through networking, public speaking, or even dealing with the media on camera, charisma coaching will help you uncover your natural sexiness. Yes, I said sexiness. It'll help you create chemistry in the room by making about the other person. It'll show you how to express vulnerability and still show strength, as well as control the adrenaline rush when they're either with a crowd of people or, again, talking with the media in front of of camera. So if you are in business and your team is out there interacting, or if you want to develop a skill set where you're comfortable in front of a crowd and a camera, then contact Kathy at youritfactor.net or reach out to her via phone at 720-985-8852. That is youritfactor.net. You're going to love this workshop. I think because of the lack of excitement for this candidate, the left, uh, Biden, it, I just, I, you know, I, again, I could be all wrong, but I, I see a victory in Trump. I don't believe it's going to be a landslide, but I see victory. And then you've got the primary model.com who has predicted presidential elections since 1912 calls. It says they, uh, uh, Trump has a 91% chance of winning. Biden has 9% chance of winning. And they've only been wrong twice since 1912, the 1960 election and the 2000 election. But Gore in the 2000 election did win the popular vote. And the 1960 election was a very close election. They call Trump or they give Trump 362 or no, 300. Yeah, 362 electoral votes. You need 270 to win. So what has Hillary Clinton done? Yes, I bring up Hillary Clinton because she can't seem to get out of the news. This from CNN. Uh, dated, now, stated in May of 2017, 
but I'm just now hearing about it and it's just now popping up. Hillary Clinton officially launches resistance outside group. So she's got this resistance outside group. So is she the one that she launched a couple of years ago after the 2016 loss? You know, it's called Onward Together and it's rearing its ugly head again. Is she the one that's responsible for the psych ops? Is this why she's still in the news? Is this why Hillary won't go away? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I've often wondered, what is Hillary's game? Why does she keep rearing her head? Why does she want to stay in the news? Is she that, that power hungry or that much of a sociopath that she has to keep her name in the news? Because she launched this Onward Together several back in 2017 after the 2016 election. Behind the scenes, is she the one that's responsible for this psychops campaign of trying to demoralize the right? And if she is, is she worried about something that's going to happen? I mean, the Clintons are corrupt. The Clintons are just corrupt to the core. There's just no doubt about that. So, <clears throat> you know, I don't think Hillary believes she can be president at this time point. I mean, she can't be that psychotic that she can believe she can be president. I mean, but she they're not stupid, the Clintons. I mean, Bill Clinton was smart enough to know that Hillary should have been campaigning in Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. He was saying so back in 2016, and she was saying, Bill, you're a hound dog. That's all you know. Shut up. Sit down. And they wouldn't listen to Bill Clinton. If they had listened to Bill Clinton in 2016, she would have won the election. Now, Bill Clinton looks pretty rough right now. I don't know if he's coherent and saying anything anymore. But is Hillary the one behind this psychops? Curious to know. Because she keeps staying in the news. So, <clears throat> yes, I think it looks positive for Trump. Yes, I think uh, Trump's going to win the election. No, I don't think it's going to be a landslide. But I think because of the excitement for this candidate, and I think for the lack of excitement for Biden from even his own party, but we've got uh, 39 days and then the, the deciding factor, in my opinion, the barometer, not deciding factor, the barometer will be the debate Tuesday. All right, let's go to some other news. Uh, it turns out that there really was Russia collusion. That's right. Now, this is from the American Thinker, dated September 24, 2020, by Andrea Winberg. And what Andrea is writing about, it turns out there really was Russian collusion, but not on Trump's side, not on the right, but on the left. Because the, for, the widow of a former mayor of Moscow paid Hunter Biden three and a half million dollars for what? Mm, nobody really knows. Apparently, the Biden family was, uh, you know, colluding with the Russians. <laughs> well, OK, I don't know if they were really colluding with the Russians for political purposes, but we know that a Russian oligarch paid Hunter Biden three and a half million dollars dollars. So here's what it says in the article. They said it's complicated, but I'll try to make it simple. That's from the article. That's not me saying that. Uh, to understand who the players were, you need to follow Hunter's trail of partnerships. In 2009, he created Rosemount Seneca Partners with Devin Asher, that archer. The name keeps bouncing up. His friend and with Christopher Heinz, who is John Kerry's stepson. I talked about this the other day. This keeps rearing its head. In 2013, Rosemount Seneca Partners joined with the Thornton Group to create Rosemount Seneca Thornton. Uh, what you need to remember is the Hunter is one of the people behind Rosemount Seneca Thornton. On the Russian side of things, there's a woman named Elena Baterina. I brought this up the other day on my podcast. 
She's the widow of Moscow's former mayor, Yuri Lukshov. Lukshov was so corrupt that even Putin's government, acting through then-President Dmitry Medvedev, fired him in 2010. When Lukshov died, Baturina ended up a billionaire and the richest woman in Russia, although the Senate... The Senate report doesn't say so. This is from a recently completed Senate report that shows the Biden family's corrupt. One has to assume that a female oligarch in Russia is on good terms with Putin. Neither looks very happy in this picture, but they definitely know each other. And they show a picture of Putin and this lady. So Baterina's money comes from plastics. Luzkov, when alive, funneled real estate projects to Inteco, which is Baterina's plastics company. So on the Hunter side, Hunter Biden, we have Rosemount Seneca Partners. On the Russian side, we have Miss Baterina. And here's the money part. On February 14, 2014, Baterina wired $3.5 million to Rosemount Seneca Thornton. That's quite the loving Valentine's Day gift, the article states. And the report does not say why she sent the money. But that's not all. 11 separate times between May 6 and December 8, 2015, Baterina wired money to a bank account called BAC USA LLC. I'm sorry, BAK USA LLC. BAK USA, although headquartered in Buffalo, New York, made computer tablets in cooperation with a Chinese business. In 2019, BAK USA filed for bankruptcy with a reported loss of $39 million. In total, Baterina wired $391,968.21 to BAK USA. Out of that total, $241,797.14 went first to Rosemount Seneca Partners before finally ending up at BAK USA. Again, the report does not explain why, although to me, it has the smell of money laundering. This is from the article. There's no getting around the fact that Hunter Biden... A drug-using, stripper-impregnating man who instantly took up with his brother's widow, that's all true, by the way, had no useful business talents. The only thing he brought to the table was his daddy's name and connections. Now, from the article as well, given the timing of Joe's trip to China and other places, Hunter's seat on the plane next to Joe and the pressure Joe put on Ukraine to ignore corruption and a company with Hunter on board, it seems pretty clear that Joe was aiding and abetting his son's machinations. But now, though, it doesn't matter whether Joe is actively or passively involved. What matters is that, according to the report, the Obama government was aware of Hunter's bizarre and illicit deals with the communist Chinese government, a corrupt Ukrainian company, and a woman with Putin connections. And it did nothing. Hunter colluded with all sorts of bad actors. And Obama Biden colluded with the colluder. So you put the two together and it is a stretch to put them together. But what it does is it totally eviscerates this nonsense of um, Trump aligning with Putin. If Trump and Putin were such good buddies like the left would have you believe, how come somebody that he had close ties was sending millions of dollars to Hunter Biden, the son of the current sitting vice president of the United States during this time? It's nonsense. Why doesn't the, if the, you know, and on the social media platforms that I'm on, you'll hear this all the time. You know, Putin's boy, Trump, Trump's Putin boys, Trump's a pumping for Putin. It's so ridiculous at face value because you've got all this evidence of the Hunter Biden colluding with Russian oligarchs, but that never comes up. And Hunter Biden, by the way, is a despicable human being. I mean, this is a man who was drummed out of the military for cocaine use. 
and he had actually several warnings, I believe, that uh, to stop using the cocaine, but he he failed drug tests. So he's drummed out of the military. We know he was a crackhead. We know he goes to strip clubs. There's one report where he goes to a strip club. He's in the VIP room and he sends out the strippers to go buy a dildo. Now you let your imagination run wild on that one. This is what this man actually did. He impregnated a stripper, told her that it wasn't his baby up until paternity test where he had to admit it. As soon as his brother died, he leaves his current wife and he's already cheating on her and shacks up with his dead brother's wife. These are not good people. This is not a good person. And that is the son of the man who wants to be president of the United States. So they're the ones colluding. Hey, real quick, I want to get to this story. Uh, I don't want to run out of time on this one. I wanted to do this yesterday, but I ran out of time. Uh, this this is hilarious. This is just absolutely freaking hilarious. Uh, off of politics. Well, it's kind of politics, but off of the presidential politics and take a really, really strong pivot here. All right, here, this is from PJ Media. <clears throat> Uh, from Tyler O'Neill. It's, it's dated September 23rd, 2020. The almighty Gavin Newsom orders new gas-powered cars banned by 2035. That's right. In 15 years, uh, Gavin Newsom, he signed an executive order uh, to, ban, to ban gas cars by 2035. Now, keep in mind, Newsom won't be in office then, right? I think they got term loads, California. I think he only be governor twice. So Newsom won't be there. Some poor slob is going to be there. Of course, they'll override this. This is all just window dressing on Newsom's, but he wants to ban new gas-powered cars by 2035. So the, the ridiculousness of, the, of this was caught by the Babylon Bee. If you're not familiar with the Babylon Bee, they're a satire site. And for satire to be good, it has to have some realm of reality. It has to speak a little to the truth. It has to be plausible. So the Babylon Bee, this is how they um, report back or how they kind of talk about this story. This is their headline. State with no electricity orders everyone to drive cars that run on electricity. <laughs> and I mean, you got a state that has blackouts, rolling blackouts for lack of electricity. The electricity grid can't handle what it's got right now because they haven't added to it because environmental purposes, I'm sure environmental reasons why they won't let it, let them build new electric grids. So this guy, governor of California states by 2035, no more gas powered cars, all electric in a state that can't handle the amount of electricity that it produces or consumes right now. I, you know, you just can't make this stuff up. So you do, you do have to mock it like the Babylon B did. It's ludicrous. Now, hey, I've got nothing against electric cars. I, you know, one day I may own an electric car. I'm not interested in one right now. I'm going to wait for the technology to catch up and the technology is close. I mean, what you see right now is pretty phenomenal. But I'm still not sold on electric cars. No, my uncle has one. He loves it. Loves it. He has a Tesla. He absolutely loves the thing. I mean, he says it's as fast as you wouldn't believe. You know, just so much torque in those vehicles. Um, but I, you know, I have a 1979 450 SL Mercedes that I have been using as my daily driver. I get maybe if I'm lucky, if I'm in a tailwind, 12 miles a gallon. I don't even think I'm getting this. It's got this huge V8, slow as all get out because of all the smog restrictions back in the 70s. But I love that gas-powered car. Like, there's no tomorrow. I'll have that. I've had that car for about 23 years, and I just love driving that car. Uh, I, right now, and I had, I had a debate with my late father-in-law 
uh, several years ago, I mean a long time ago, that the technology is just not there yet to replace the internal combustion engine. And it's not. It, it's, it's advanced more when it, since I had that conversation with my father-in-law. And the technology is very, very good in uh, electric cars right now. I think there's some ranges of 355 miles per charge. But here's the problem with electric cars. Uh, one is, you know, yeah, you do save money on gas. There's no doubt on that. And actually, you do save money on electricity. You are going to spend money, more money on electricity. But right now with electric cars, the main, the main problems with electric cars are the time it takes to charge them. Okay. So you don't have the infrastructure set up right now to accommodate that. What I mean by that is you're, you do have charging stations, but you don't have yet the something to keep people busy while they're charging their cars. So if everybody had an electric car in California, I mean, how many millions of people, what, how many, what is it, 30 million that live in that state? I don't know, I can't remember how many people live in California. It's, I believe the most populous state in the country. So if everyone had an electric car, that changes the landscape for charging stations. You've gotta have that infrastructure, right? They don't have that, by the way. They have charging stations, but they don't have the infrastructure for every citizen to have an electric car. Now. Gas-powered cars will be grandfathered in. So if you had a gas-powered car, you get to keep your gas-powered car. You just can't buy a new gas-powered car in 2035. So eventually, people are going to switch over to electric. If this goes through, and it won't, if this goes through, people are going to eventually have to switch over into electric cars. Well, they don't have the infrastructure. Maybe in 15 years, they'll have the infrastructure. But here's what you're going to have to have for that to work. You're going to have to have infrastructure set up to where multiple charging stations by the uh, almost, in some cases, dozens, maybe even hundreds, right? I mean, it's pretty quick to to fill your car up with gas. I mean, it, it's a quick process. You pull up to the pump, you pump it, five minutes, you're out of there, right? Well, it doesn't happen in charging. You got to wait for that vehicle to charge. So what's going to have to happen is you're going to have these charging stations and then you're going to have shops pop up because people are going to want something to do. So there's a lot of retail that's going to benefit from this. There, there's going to be an extra there's going to be businesses that'll pop up that'll cater to those people waiting for their car to be charged but if you got 20 30 40 100 cars that are need to be charged all at once you got to have the infrastructure for that right now we don't and then you got california that's energy strapped as it is electricity wise it's just ludicrous at its face it's window dressing from this governor he will not be governor this will be overturned it's not going to happen. It's just a feel-good window dressing from a guy who puts too much gel in his hair, who's trying to look good versus actually do good. Gavin Newsom about as leftist as they go. But you watch. Gavin Newsom's going to throw his, his hat into the name for president one day. You watch. Anyway, thanks for listening to this segment of the PBL podcast. This one was all about the perception of elections and keeping uh, you, know, you down from voting. But you're not. You're enthused and you're going to the polls. And we are going to reelect Donald J. Trump as our president. Do head to our website, thepblpodcast.com. Check out our social media links. Visit us on, interact with us on Twitter and TikTok. And of course, Click our YouTube link and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. You guys have a wonderful weekend because today is Friday. Talk to you guys soon.